the the report kind of explores um, like the methods of influence that the the, the gas industry has um, has over uh, over the government and and like the reason we looked into that was because as you said like there is uh, there is a push at a federal level and a state level for further gas expansion um, uh, at a time you know when we're in the depths of a climate crisis it's only going to get worse um, and we just wanted to sort of prove uh, the reasons why why that is um, we've got uh, w, um, WA government will be announcing their uh, climate policy in the coming days, I believe, um, and it'll be interesting to see that. And if it isn't adequate, which I have my suspicions it won't be, um, the report kind of delves into why <laughs> why that is, and that's mostly because of the sheer amount of access that um, the fossil fuel um, and uh, fossil gas um, companies have. Uh, with ministers, um, the donations that they give, and there's like a revolving door between themselves and uh, government agencies, government departments, and government themselves um, that, yeah, maintains a mindset that keeps us in this current situation. I imagine there's many of our listeners that were perhaps hopeful with the McGowan government being elected a few years ago that there would be more action on climate change. Of course, there's been some major, I guess, uh, setbacks in the, in that regard, in particular uh, the, the government announcing uh, some limited uh, leases for fracking here in, in WA or at least for exploration. Do you, I mean, do you think this goes somewhat to explain why why there's been so little sort of action or perhaps not the sufficient kind of actions we were hoping for in regard to this state government, just the level of access that these, these companies have and the level of political pressure that's uh, applied on, on the Labour Party here in WA? Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah, like... I always find it a really tricky one. McGowan is uh, obviously very popular at the moment. Um, and to be fair on him, he's done a great job when it comes to, you know, the COVID crisis and all that. Um, but when it comes to action on climate, uh, this government has not been has not been good. And, yeah, like you mentioned fracking, um, during, during the fracking inquiry, so I believe that was from late 2017 to... 2018, um, McGowan hired uh, his uh, current special advisor, um, Kieran Murphy, who um, he he came straight from the the chief lobby group of the gas industry, Appia, um, who you know weeks before he started that job in uh, in the premier's office. His name was on press releases, uh, which were which were sending out a very pro fracking message um so like that's just kind of one example as to um yeah the relationship and the uh, the influence that that is put on uh, mcgowan's team even from within his own office um yeah and you mentioned there before there have been significant donations from uh, some of these companies. Uh, I understand that there are at least uh you know some of the more shocking incidents uh the 
uh, companies such as Woodside and Chevron, after meeting with uh, Labor ministers, then directly donated to the party. Can you tell this, listeners a bit about that, and you know how rife is this kind of uh, you know donations going hand in hand with political lobbying from these gas companies? Yeah, so that was kind of a little bit of a story of luck or accident <laughs> that we kind of stumbled across those findings. Uh, the report speaks mostly about uh, the uh, the access, and that we found that out through uh, freedom of freedom of information requests that we sent to various ministers' offices. And then when we got those meeting details and dates back, we just compared that to um, publicly available donations data. Um, and, yeah, just found that there were quite a few instances um, where Woodside and Chevron in particular had donated um, to uh, either WA Labour or Federal Labour uh, on the same day as uh, as they were having a meeting Um and like these amounts, I think what shocked me when I first started uh, doing this, I always just assumed that um, political donations made by you know whoever it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, fossil fuel companies would be you know end of financial year, stick fifty grand uh, in their coffers um, to write off a tax time, um, but it's constant. Like they they have, and I've got it here in front of me somewhere. Like. Amounts of eleven hundred dollars here and uh, like three grand here. I haven't got it in the report, but I have I have found instances of eighty eight dollars uh, <laughs> coming up on registered amounts, which which suggests that there's a you know a price um, for something like tickets or something being paid for. Um, yeah, so the the. The small amounts that they pay, I say small, like they're significant to me, but uh, like there's a, a payment of 10 grand for a meeting, or not for a meeting, but at the same time as a meeting that they had um, with, I believe, Minister Johnston, um, payments of 6,000, 1,000, uh, just here and there all over the place. But you add all them up and it results in um, like Woodside, Woodside who are, the biggest um, fossil fuel donors to federal politics. Um, I can't remember exactly if this includes um, the state uh, state donations as well, but they they pay uh, something around two hundred and eighty thousand um, dollars yeah each year. So it's all these little payments add up. Certainly. I guess one thing that I find sort of interesting about this is often when we think about issues such as climate change, and they are quite difficult to get our head around in terms of particularly, I guess, lack of political action. I guess for the average person, they're left thinking, you know, what are we doing? You know, why aren't the politicians listening to people? There, There's plenty of evidence to say that we can shift to more renewable energies. And even from, you know, the sort of the, the capitalist market, uh, I guess, perspective, there are still plenty of opportunities to uh, continue to grow uh, this economy and shift to renewables. But I guess it's often this sort of uh, dynamic where you have organizations such as 350.org that are majority volunteer led with very limited funding trying to get access to these politicians. 
up against these massive companies that are donating hundreds of thousands of dollars and have such access, is this fundamentally the heart of the problem here in terms of the sort of political institution and the, the way in which our, our so-called democratic, democratic system has evolved? It just gives so much more voice and power to people when they've got the money and the access compared to groups such as yourself. Absolutely. Um, when you look into the, like, the, the three things that we cover, cover in the report, the access, the political donations and the revolving door that exists, um, when you put all three of those things together, that is what maintains the status quo. Um, like any one of those things could be, I don't know, could be seen as like a, a one-off. But when you, yeah, when you put it all together, it's a bigger picture of of the large amounts of influence uh, that the fossil fuel industry has. Like when when a person leaves, this use the example of say Woodside, and they go into a job um, working for a minister, they take that mindset of um, of the gas industry's um, yeah hopes to to just keep expanding gas gas production with them like they don't leave that um, that mindset behind and then the same the other way like when they go from government they take um, they take the kind of delicate knowledge that they have about uh, the inner workings of the market and of of government itself and they take that and are able to use that for the fossil fuel industry it's a it's a it's a big kind of these relationships are very cozy um and yeah the the problems of inaction on, on climate are uh, facilitated by the fact that it's not a priority for uh, for, for the fossil fuel industry those who come from it and uh and the 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 circles of engagement that they keep so yeah, like the the amount of access that fossil fuel industry has in real, uh, is significant, especially when you look at uh, Minister Johnston. There is an argument um, he is the he's the minister for mines and petroleum. Uh, there's an argument that yeah, they're his stakeholders. Who else is he going to meet with? Yeah, I kind of I kind of get that, um, but there has to be. He, there has to be an equal opportunity for other groups to um to 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 get their voice in as well and um for there to be a a, a whole range of opinions um seen and at the moment the fossil fuel industry are the, are the predominant um ones well, it really points to a somewhat of a, a corruption of any uh, semblance of a democracy left here in WA, and I guess that's largely the effect that neoliberalism is, has had in these last uh, few decades. You know, large companies being able to essentially, in, in one way or another, buy um, ministers off, or, or even buy entire political parties off. In, in some cases, in, in the world. I guess in that circumstance where it feels that, you know, ordinary people and constituents of ministers and, and, you know, just people here in Western Australia don't have the equal voice and say as some of these large companies, it really turns to sort of groups such as 350.org, but also, uh, you know, movements such as Extinction Rebellion to provide some sort of alternative form of, uh, I guess, uh, political voice and, and and power to people. What, what do you see that emerging here in WA and in Australia and also globally? This kind of, I guess, uh, extra 
parliamentary activity with uh, people taking to the streets and trying to put political pressure on the politicians, given that they don't have access via the traditional means? Yeah, um, it's all important. (laughs) Um, The stuff that Extinction Rebellion do, taking to the streets, we need more people doing that um, consistently. Uh, Yeah, the theories that Extinction Rebellion have around... uh, yeah, getting sheer numbers out on the streets, it is valid and it is it is absolutely necessary. Um, in the UK, uh, they, they do a great job and um, Parliament have sort of begun to take notice um, of, of the messages that they're coming out with. The one kind of... Uh, the one thing I, I would say as well, though, is we need a whole variety of, of tactics um, to get our message out there. And while while the fossil fuel industry can be blamed heavily for, um, for, for the crisis that we are in and that we face, um, we need to take back our democracy ourselves as well, like not just through um, being out on the streets, but trying to, trying to get through official channels as well. In the report, we, we're asking for people to um, to to lobby their their own politicians as well. Like we, I, I've met with politicians before who just say, you know, just say to, uh, things to me like, um, "Well, we didn't we didn't realise this was an issue for people in our community." Like I, I mean, yeah, the, there has to be a question as to whether they're listening to. Um, the news or, or, or fossil fuel donors or not, but if they don't get told this stuff by uh, by their constituents, then they're not necessarily going to take it um, to their party. So, yeah, I, I see the need for uh, for everyone to get out on the streets and do what we can um, when we can, but uh, in between those moments, get to your local MPs' offices, hassle them, tell them, what the problem is, take this report to them um, and let them know that if they don't start standing up to this soon, we're going to be voting them out.